We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. Hello and welcome back to Raising Christian Kids. I'm really excited to have this guest on my show today. She's not only a best-selling author, but she's also a dear friend of mine. I'm having Ginger Hubbard speak to us today. And Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country and co-hosts the Parenting with Ginger Hubbard podcast, which is amazing. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And Ginger also has written two wonderful children's books called Sam and the Sticky Situation and the other one is Chloe and the Closets of Secrets. And we're going to talk about her wonderful books today. Thank you, Ginger, for being on the show. Thank you, Leanne. I have been so excited to be on. I'm a fan of your podcast, a fan of your work, a fan of your books. And so it's really an honor to get to be on with you. And I hope your listeners will be encouraged by what we're going to talk about. Well, thank you. I hope so, too. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. Well, you did a pretty good job, I guess, from a professional standpoint. But my claim to fame is that I married to Ronnie Hubbard. We married 10 years ago, and Ronnie came as a package deal with two stepsons that I absolutely adore. So between the two of us, we have four kids, and they are all, I say kids, they're all in their 20s. And so we really are enjoying our adult children during this season of life. That's wonderful. You know what? You had some really great guest on your show recently, Laura Pepper. Yes, we had Laura Petherbridge come on and talk about step parenting, blended family, just being a great stepmom. When Ronnie and I married 10 years ago, that was the first book I read, being a smart stepmom. And it, I'm so thankful for it. it. It made me smarter before I dove into that world of, of a blended family and, and being able to, you know, love and encourage my stepkids in a way that that would glorify God and and give us a good relationship. So Laura is fantastic. Yeah, she was a great guest. She was so good on your show because I listened to your show that I had her on my, well, I'm having her on my show. I already interviewed her. So she's in the future podcasts. My listeners will listen to her on my show and I hope they'll listen to your show as well. Your show's great. I love your podcast. So there are many great parenting books out there. What sort of advice are you offering that makes yours different from the others and stand out as unique? Well, Leanne, as a national speaker, I have had the opportunity to listen to parents all over the country express their heartache over their inability to tame the tongues of their children. And it just seems like they'll tell me, come up to me at my conferences and say, you know, I've read the books, I've tried the advice, but I'm just still frustrated because it doesn't seem like anything's working. So I wrote, uh, I can't believe you just said that. And what I really wanted to do with that book is expose some of the faulty child training methods, which fail to reach the heart and equip parents with biblical principles, and then provide them with sort of a toolbox full of illustrations and examples for implementing those principles in a practical way. Now, don't get me wrong, there are so many great parenting books out there. I've read many of them that I love, and they focus on what the Bible says about parenting, which that's my favorite thing to talk about and read about. And many of them are are full of scripture that are very helpful for parenting. But I found that few offered the information that parents are really looking for, and that's how to practically apply those scriptures to those tongue-related offenses and struggles that their children are facing in everyday life. 
So that was my goal for the book was to really break it down. How can I implement these principles that God's word talks about in a way that's going to be effective for my kids? Yes. And I love your books. When I look around, it seems that children are losing respect for their parents. Parents are losing control of their children as a result. And America is now facing an epidemic of undisciplined children who have no filter on the things they say. Why do you think our nation or how do you think our nation has reached this point in our parenting? Well, we live in a nation, we all know this, we live in a nation that defies God at every point, including child training. And, you know, it's not that parents don't desire obedience and respect from their kids. I mean, I I would think most parents desire that. But I think that many parents are, are failing to achieve those results. And I believe that reason is twofold. The first problem is that parents, in an attempt to get their children to obey and to show that verbal respect, have adopted these faulty child training methods, which focus only on the outward behavior of their children, but fail to reach their heart. So many parents have developed this philosophy that if they can get their children to act right, to behave, that they're raising them the right way. But there is so much more, far more to parenting than getting our children to act right. We have to get them to think right and to be motivated out of a love of virtue, a love for God, a love for what's right, rather than a fear of punishment. So failure to reach their hearts is the first problem. And then the second problem is that parents are just not following the instructions in the instruction manual. (laughs) I once heard Roy Lesson, I love this analogy, I heard Roy Lesson compare God's instructions for parents to an owner's manual for a new appliance. (laughs) When you buy a new appliance, it makes so much sense to me, when you buy a new appliance, the manufacturer provides you with an instruction manual, tells you how to use the appliance and how to keep it in the best working order. And if something goes wrong, of course, the customer is encouraged to contact the manufacturer for repairs. And it's really the same with families. The family was God's idea. He brought it into being. And in the Bible, he has provided us with instructions for how it operates best. And when parents experience problems in training their children, He has also encouraged us to contact him. He gives us that open communication with him through prayer. And according to James 1, 5, when we ask him for wisdom, he promises that he'll give it to us. It's behavior modification versus heart transformation. If you're you're just trying to train your child to behave well, you know, by giving them rewards, you do this, you get this. It's almost like training a dog. I hate to say that, but it's almost like training a dog. Sit and you get your treat. But you say it's a heart transformation, and I so believe that with every part of my being that we need to transform their sinful hearts. Amen. And, and I love what you said there, that, you know, it's not just about, it's not like training them like you would, you know, a dog. It's not like, it's not teaching a seal to jump through a hoop. It's really a desire to get to their heart. You know, the Jesus condemned those who only focused on the outward behavior instead of what was going on. He said that they, in their hearts, he said they honored him with their lips, but that their hearts were far from him. And Jesus labeled them as people who washed the outside of the cup while the inside was still unclean. So when all we're focusing on is the outward behavior, that's no more beneficial than teaching a seal to jump through a hoop. And Jesus, he he condemned that sort of teaching. And so it's always about getting to what's going on in the heart. God is always concerned with the issues of the heart. And so that is what he encourages us to do as parents as well. And that helps our children understand the sin in their heart. It's not just about outward compliance. It's about what is driving that behavior. And we help, when we help our children understand that the sins, the outer sin derives from the heart, 
then we're really going to be able to get to the issue of that. In Matthew 12, 34, Jesus explained, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, there's merit to that old saying, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. (laughs) And so that's what we want to help our kids understand, that our sin does not begin with our mouths. It begins with our hearts. That sin that shows up in our words comes from inside us. And it starts a whole lot sooner than we might think. King David proclaimed, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So when parents truly grasp just the origin of sin and the total depravity of the human race, we don't even have to question why our children sin anymore. You know, I used to look at my kids and say, you know, why do you act like that? But after a closer look at the word of God, I realized I was asking the wrong question. So I slowly learned to stop asking, you know, why does my child sin? And instead, I began to ask, when my child sins, how might I point him to the fact that he is a sinner just like me in need of a savior? How can I help him understand and live in that transformational power of Christ? You know, the Bible says the heart is wicked, deceitful from birth. So when we look at our children, like you said, we wonder, well, how could they do something so mean? Young children, they do know what they're doing. We think they don't, but they do, but they don't understand why they do it. Right. That's right. But when we could get them to understand why they do it, to take ownership for the sin that's in their heart, that's going to help them recognize their need for Christ. Absolutely. And so each chapter in your book addresses a different verbal offense, such as, I love it, your book, lying, tattling, whining, and complaining. Mothers, you hear that. I know you're like, oh, yes, give me some advice on that. And you offer a very simple three-step plan for dealing with each one. Can you tell us about that plan, please? Sure. Okay. So step one, whether our kids are lying or whining or telling, like you said, all of those things, I think it's very wise for us to always start with heart probing questions. So that is step one. And the reason why is if you think about it and all the stories in scripture and so many of the stories in scripture, when someone did something wrong, Jesus didn't just wave his finger in their face and say, this is what you did wrong. And this is what you should have done instead. Instead, he would often use heart probing questions. And in order for the people to answer those questions, they had to evaluate themselves because Jesus was a skilled heart prober. He knew how to ask those questions in such a way that the people would have to take their focus off of the situations and the circumstances going on around them and onto the sin in their own heart. So for each verbal offense in the book, I offer, I start out by just offering two or three very simple suggested questions to help parents reach past that outward behavior and help their kids understand what is going on in their heart. And then in Ephesians 4, through 24, we're instructed to put off our old self and put on our new self. Those verses say, you were taught with regard to your formal way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So step two is what to put off. What does God's word say about that particular behavior? What does God's word say uh, can happen? It, what, what can it lead to if it's continued? And then step three is what to put on, how to replace what is wrong with what is right. But Alex, my daughter, really, really struggled with whining when she was little. And I know parents love illustrations. So like, I'll tell you how this works, this plan. So let's say that Alex comes into the kitchen and instead of asking for a cup of juice, she whines for it. And so I would start out with a heart probing question, something very simple, like, honey, are you asking for juice with self-control? No, sweetheart, you're not. God says that we are to have self-control, even with our voices. 
And so, and then I would point her to a verse in the Bible that talks about self-control. And then I would say, because I love you so much and because I want to help you get that self-control, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set the timer for three minutes. And I just had like a little kitchen timer that I kept with me. And when that timer goes off in three minutes, then you may come back and ask for juice the right way with self-control. And so, see, I I didn't, I'm reproving her for not having self-control. I asked her the heart probing questions, reproved her for not having self-control. And then most important, I want to have her come back and communicate the right way with a self-controlled voice. And we're going to talk about that more this week. Like, well, because I know there's some parents that are listening. Yeah, well, that wouldn't work with my kid. You know, they just wouldn't come back and they would clam up. So stay tuned. And we're going to talk more about whining in in the other uh, episode we're going to talk about this week. Yeah, that's great. Like I said, you have such great advice. I'm just, I'm so happy that you're on the show and the parents are listening to this. So after going through these three steps, how can parents get their children to actually implement the principles being taught? By requiring them to practice that biblical alternative to the sinful behavior. It's never enough to just verbally instruct our kids in what not to do. We always want to take it a step further and instruct them in what to do. We have to teach them how to replace wrong behavior with right behavior in accordance with God's word. And then most important, we want to require them to actually go back and do it. You know, when we require our children to physically practice that biblical alternative to their sinful behavior, we're teaching them how to apply God's word to daily life. So for example, let's say that a child speaks disrespectfully to his parent. That's one that's across the board, young, old teenagers, the whole, you know, that's, that's a good one to talk about because it's going, it's bound to happen at some point, regardless of their age. So say that a child speaks disrespectfully to his parent and the parent says, that was disrespectful. You shouldn't speak to me like that. Now go to your room. See, that sounds familiar, but that is ineffective child training because the most important part is left out. We shouldn't just rebuke and discipline the child who's speaking disrespectfully. We want to have him come back and practice that biblical alternative by communicating the right way, by using the appropriate words and the appropriate tone of voice. And for many kids, particularly mine, as they moved into their teen years, the appropriate facial expression. (laughs) (laughs) When we train our children in what's right and require them to practice what's right, we're actually teaching them how to grow in wisdom and we're preparing them to govern their own actions for future situations. So in my books, I refer to this uh, sort of teaching as the practice principle. You know, imagine teaching your child how to tie his shoes without the practice principle. It's not going to work. Just verbally walking him through that process is not going to be enough. At some point, you're going to have to physically demonstrate how to do it and then having practice it on its own. So when I think about it, and and when you guys think about it, if the practice principle is vital for teaching such morally neutral tasks as tying shoes, how much more important is it for training children in Christ-like character? And practice makes perfect, as they say. Give them, give them a chance also to repent, to say, mm-hmm. to think about what they did. You know, just don't scold them and send them away. That's not really helping anything. All that teaches them is that mom's mad at me again. And yep. it causes division between the parent and the child relationship. But like you said, if we can gently walk them through it and tell them what needs to be done, allow them to repent of the sin. And if you're consistent in doing this over and over, guess what? Eventually, that's what they start to do because they don't want to have to keep doing this over and over. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to get it right the first time. Children do really want to behave and listen to their parents. So this is really, really great stuff. But I have to tell my audience, I forgot to say this at the beginning. We're doing a three-part episode series with Ginger. 
So this entire week is just her interviews sharing her great information. And there's so much information to cover. And we're going to give away some of Ginger's wonderful books. So stay tuned for the giveaway, all your materials. So I'm so excited about that. Yay. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Ginger, for being on the show today. We're going to have you again to come back and share more of your wonderful wisdom with your excellent books. Thank you, Leanne. And this is how we're all going to work together to raise strong Christian kids. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.